Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today we're going to talk some USC football, some coaching hires, a final coaching hire. We're going to talk with Dan Weber, uscfootball.com columnist and beat writer. We're going to answer a bunch of your USC football questions. So if you have anything you want to ask, something, get off something off your chest, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you want to leave a voicemail, a couple different ways you can do that. Try to keep them brief. But you can call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. You can leave a voicemail right from there, uh, mobile device or computer, however you want to do it. And also, subscribe on iTunes. You can go to iTunes, subscribe. You can rate us. You can leave some positive feedback. That's great. It helps propagate the show. Go to iTunes.com slash peristylepodcast. Well, let's bring in... Dan Weber, we got some big news to talk about. Not not a surprise news, Dan, but some big news. What's up, bud? Yeah, uh, I guess the surprise was it took so long to get the news out. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, we were probably the last ten days. This could have happened in in our minds any one of those days. So, uh, so not a surprise. I mean, uh, Kenichi Udizi is the new defensive line coach for USC. He's been recruiting he's been tweeting as coach Kenichi Udizi uh so you know there it is I mean and now today it, it became official so not sure why it took this long but uh that uh it is what we thought it would be and uh what every sign pointed to and um uh, and that's the way it went today yeah um a little shocked I guess it took as long as it did like Dan said uh, but I want to talk about the hire a little bit before. I also want to thank our sponsor for our Tuesday show, uh, Michael Moline Real Estate. So he's our buddy um, up in Beverly Hills. If you need help with real estate anywhere here in Southern California, he will hook you up. You can go to his website. It's michaelmolinerealestate.com, or you can give him a call at 310-275-4688. I'm actually scheduled to have lunch with Michael tomorrow, so that should be fun. Um, but, Dan, what do you think about the hire for Kenichu Daisy. It's a third coach that Clay Hilton's hired. Well, third coach on the staff that has never done this job before. He, you know, Clay Hilton's never been the head coach. We know T. Martin's never been an offensive coordinator. Kenichu Daisy never has been a defensive line coach in college. He was an assistant strength coach before. But what are your thoughts on the hire? Yeah, I, I think Ryan, it's almost overstated in, in Kenichu's case that he hasn't coached before. Uh, he, you know, he was an intern as a coach at, with the Seahawks. Uh, I think he really, he almost got into coaching a year ago, uh, when he came to USC at Pittsburgh. And, uh, that's all he's been th- thinking about doing is getting in to becoming a coach. I mean, that's all he's wanted to do. I was pretty uh, amazed uh, in, in listening to Kenichi talk about this about a week after he got to USC a year ago, how much he was thinking about how he could coach as a strength and conditioning guy, how demanding he was of his, especially his D-line guys, how 
much he felt, you know, the, the need for discipline and all of the kinds of things that he was, you know, he's a demanding taskmaster. Uh, when he uh, got the chance to coach for the Holiday Bowl, I mean, he he came in flying. I mean, he was he had all the ideas, all the things. I mean, he's out on the field putting them through, uh, you know, loosening up and calisthenics and all that. And he would see the practices. He just couldn't coach. But he had some, you know, really strong ideas about what they needed to be doing. And when he took over in December, he wasn't bashful about all the things he wanted to see him do, uh, all the ways, you know, the hand placement things and the feet and all the uh, individual adjustments he thought they needed to be making. Uh, the way he started showing them video uh, and, and the way they would, you know, individualize it and all of the things. I think he's a long way already down that road. I think he, he and, and he's the connection, the only connection on this staff to the Pete Carroll era. And I think he came out of the Pete Carroll era as full of all of the Pete Carroll stuff that you could, uh, you know, understand and, and take with you and, and figure out what was, what was going right and why it was going right. And, uh, he probably got more out of his, his time here. He might have gotten more out of his time here at USC than anybody ever. Uh, and, um, and I think he brings all that back with him, uh, and his own personal story. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, 375 pound high school senior who didn't know he was that big because he didn't have a scale in his house. And they called him, if you lose, Ed Orgeron told him, you lose 30 pounds, you can, we'll give you a scholarship. And he lost 43 immediately. And all the things he did to become as good. I mean, he was a first year player who essentially, they, he was going to start as a defense tackle, and then they decided, you know, we needed uh, needed room for Sean Cody, so we'll move you out to defensive end, and no big deal. He just went from one thing to the other, and uh, he just is the kind of guy, I just think he's really going to be a valuable addition to this coaching staff, and I, I don't see him in any way limited by his lack of experience. Uh, I think the one area maybe – that you haven't been in the mix is in game situations where he's been as a player, but now you're in game situations and how do you handle those kinds of things? I do think, you know, the practice won't be the issue, but the ability in the video and all that kind of individual coaching won't be the issue. I don't know how do you adjust to the kinds of things that have to happen on the fly in games I think you probably do need some games where you are, you know, in the middle of everything with, you know, 100,000 people in the stands and, you know, screaming at you. Uh, that probably takes some time. But other than that, I think, I don't think he's your typical first-year coach. Good stuff there, uh, Dan, on Kenichi Daisy. And, you know, and, and funny, um, Coach Harvey Hyde talked about not having any former players on the staff. Well, now USC does with uh, BKU. Yeah, and, and he connects to the beginning, you know, the build-up, the national championships, the All-Americans. He connects, I think, to every part of that, uh, the, the getting way better than you were when you walked in the door. All of those kinds of things that maybe 
people think has gone by the wayside a little bit, that player development. When, when, when BKU is talking to you about becoming a better player, developing as a player, some of the things that maybe we don't think have been happening to the extent that they need to recently, you got to listen to him. I mean, how do you not listen to him when you know his story uh, and, and, and where he came from and where he ended up? Um, it's just, uh, uh, I think he, I don't, I don't know, you know, short of, of a couple of the big names that we knew, you know, that people were tossing around, uh, I'm not sure they could have made a better hire. I, I mean, I much prefer than, say, a journeyman NFL guy or something like that who maybe would be looking to get back to the league as soon as he could. Uh, I mean, and, and from what we've been able to tell in recent weeks, He's just relished uh, the recruiting part of this that he's really taken uh, taken to that. So uh, you know, I think there's an awful lot positive about R and BKU. Yeah, they showed him asleep at one in the morning at a recruit's house. One of uh, one of the tweets this morning was kind of funny. Um, no, but- yeah, he's he's in the middle, of, and, and he obviously, you know, I think it's is a plus to be. The, uh, you know, the 32 year old youngest guy in the staff, uh, you know, social media kind of, uh, in the mix with the kids. And I think it's interesting. He may be the sternest disciplinarian on this staff. And yet he's also the youngest guy. I like, I really like that combination. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, okay. So we had mentioned, uh, Coach Harvey Hyde and the, if you listen to the podcast on Monday, there was a big thread on the peristyle. There was a lot of people hating it, a lot of people loving it. It can be very polarizing. A lot of the questions, I think pretty much all of them were kind of negative, Dan, towards what's going on. Um, and, you know, we, we're trying to just give you like an even keel. This is what we think of, you know, and there's been some, you know, things that just haven't been positive lately. Uh, I did get a phone call from Gary, who's class of 1962. It was a little long, Gary, and you were giving your phone number out in the voicemail. So I didn't want to play it on the, uh, the podcast. But he was pointing to an Orlando Sentinel um, story from Monday called the College Insider. And they were basically ranking all of the head coaching hires. And they gave USC a D and ranked them basically last in all the major um, coaching hires. There's a lot of stuff like that out there, Dan. I, I mean, but I wanted, I didn't want to, like, be doom and gloom on everybody. I, you could still see some positive stuff from this hire. I think a lot of people feel it's down just because it's, like we said, it's unproven. But... There's still some positive things I think can come out of it. Yeah, and I, I mean I don't know that you need to convince the Orlando Sentinel that you had a good coaching hire because there's nothing you can do to convince them. I mean you can say, well, we know this or we know that or we know this person really really likes what he we see from Clay or we see Clay as a you know a guy who would be one of those people who's uh, better as a manager than maybe even as a, you know, as a position coach or as a coordinator and all those things. But none of that matters. All that matters is what do you do from here on out? Uh, I mean, how did he, and he, he's got to overcome, for example, uh, the preparation for the holiday ball. Uh, I mean, he was without four coaches uh, and filling in with graduate assistants and, with Kenichi did get his chance there. So that, I think that worked out well that you got a chance to see Kenichi, but they clearly weren't ready to play in the holiday bowl. And that was a negative and, and they weren't the physical team or they didn't seem like they were moving in that direction. So 
so that's a negative. Uh, so, so there are some things I think that, you know, a first time head coach like Clay is going to have to overcome. He's got a chance though. I think this staff is good enough to be the kind of staff that can be, to really do a good job. Uh, I think they've got enough talent to win the Pac-12 next year. I don't think there's any question they've got enough talent to do that. I think this coaching staff and these kids and, and, and kind of what they want to do, I think it can go together pretty well. Uh, are they putting everything into it? You know, if you compare them to what Stanford's doing or what Oregon's doing or what Notre Dame's doing or what Alabama's doing, you know, I think you could say you would like to see more in terms of the going together and um, trying to be the best it can be. Are they trying to be the best they can be? I think there's an argument there. But uh, I think they've got time to show that they can. But the players, have to, they've got to get the players committed. They've got enough talent to beat anybody on their schedule next year, and that's, that's including Alabama. They really do. Uh, Alabama has got to have some issues, I think, next year. And this is the kind of opportunity that those Pete Carroll teams just live for, a chance to play that kind of a game, a chance to build up, you know, and be ready to go uh, the first whistle of the year. Uh, this team's got that. They've got the toughest schedule in the country coming up. Uh, that's, uh, that's, again, a great, great opportunity. So I would think the thing you want right now is not so much for the Orlando Sentinel to be saying how good a coach, coaching hire Clay Helton was, but at the end of the year to be able to say, okay, now how good a coaching hire was Clay Helton? How good a coaching hire was this staff? I think that's the, uh, it, it doesn't matter what they say right now. Now you might say, well, it does matter because it shows that the administration didn't care that much to, to go out and, you know, hire this guy or that guy. And, you know, maybe you can make that case. You can absolutely make that, that argument. But, uh, I think if I'm a USC fan and I look at this program, I say, what do I want? I want a chance to be as competitive as we can possibly be. Does this team have a chance? I think it actually has a chance. The numbers are there. Uh, the talent is there, the depth, the, you know, you look at a lot of different places and you think, you know, it could be really good. They don't have to be. They're not going to be really good based on recruiting rankings and, you know, how many stars they've got and all of that. They'll be as good as, as they, as they become, as they work at, as they, uh, as they develop. Um, so I, I think you can do is ask for a chance to be that good and, and to expect to be that good. I don't think it's wrong for the fans to expect this team to be very, very good. I think that's what USC football should be. Uh, I kind of think it's wrong for fans to expect them to be really bad. I just think that's just, what's the point of that? Uh, and it, it's not real smart. I think this team should be expected to be really good. Now, are they? <laughs> you know? I expected him to play better against uh against Stanford the second time around. That certainly didn't happen. You know, so um it, 
it's going, it, it will be what it becomes as we see it develop. I mean, I, I think we got to see some real commitment in the winter. We got to see some real, you know, work in terms of not just strength and conditioning, but body shaping. I think they, they need to get quicker. A lot of them, you know, some of them on the offensive line need to get leaner. Uh, you know, the defensive line guys have to grow up. I mean, this is going to be a real challenge. There's some talent there, but they haven't had a lot of snaps. And, um, you know, they, they've got a long way to go, but they have the ability to, to make that trip. Uh, same with those young linebackers. And there's just a whole lot of, you know, places where you see People need to step up and develop, and coaches need to bring them on. And if that hasn't been happening, and it hasn't, not enough, uh, it has to start happening now. I'm encouraged. I think just when I watch the video of Western Kentucky's offense, I just think the combination of Tyson Helton and Callaway with a new uh, offensive coordinator in terms of T. Uh, Martin and with Clay kind of in the mix there, I think that group, and Tommy Robinson, I don't want to forget him, I think that group has a chance to really figure some things out on offense. And if you look at, you know, Western Kentucky uh, offense, uh, you know, on video from last year, the last two years, they're really efficient. They really knew what they were doing. And, and, you know, they did it against the likes of LSU, for example. Beat Vanderbilt. And they did it with kids that wouldn't be playing at USC. Maybe one offensive lineman who would be but uh but I think it's they've got a chance to have it come together fairly quickly with the uh with the talent that they're gonna you know gonna be coaching. So uh so I'm not as negative as, as a lot of people and I don't know that there's that much reason to be negative uh about it. Uh you know, Clay's the coach and I think at this point you just say, I think he's got a chance to be pretty good. Uh, and I don't count him as a first-year head coach. I count him as a second-year head coach. I think I don't think we should, you know, for good reasons or bad reasons or whatever, he's not a rookie coach anymore. Uh, he's really a second-year coach, I think. And, and I think that he should be pretty good your second year. I mean, look at what, what happened with Pete. Uh, I think it took John McKay to his third year. But but I, I think Clay ought to be held to a pretty high standard in terms of where this team goes this coming year. All right. Uh, good stuff there. Let's move on. We're going to get to, we've got a bunch of questions to get to. So we'll start with Matthew. He says, I keep wondering if Iman Marshall is too big and physical to play cornerback at this level. He loves to get in the wide receiver's face and bump. Uh, so I wasn't too surprised at all at the penalties, he, the penalties he earned this season. Is the consensus that Iman Will adjust and stay a cornerback, or given the lack of depth at safety, would it be better for him to slide over? As long as he's on the field, it's fine, obviously. Just curious what Clancy may do. Thanks in advance from Matthew. I'm more the uh, thinking that, you know, as a rookie, as a freshman cornerback, uh, I think he did fine. I mean, I, I, I think there were some technique issues. There were some call issues. There were some scheming issues. All of those kinds of things that it wasn't where you wanted it to be. But, uh, but I think his, his skill set, I think he's a big cornerback. I think more than anything. I want, I, I think he's a cornerback in my mind. And I think 
it's not I mean how many freshman cornerbacks do you see you know basically uh, be under the gun as much as he was so I don't think it was the fact that he was 200 pounds or and I guess he's down to 192 or whatever it is right now but uh, uh, I see him as a cornerback and I think he's going to stay there and I think he's going to get the kind of coaching to get him and the kind of scheming so that they really are all on the same page and they feel comfortable doing what they're doing and they feel like they really know how to do what they're doing and I think some of that wasn't the fact that physically he was just too big a kid to play there. I don't I don't see that at all. All right, good stuff there. Let's move on to Tarek. He says, with the status of Chad Wheeler uncertain, would you be comfortable with Zach Banner as the permanent left tackle? Well, I will I will be comfortable with the Zach Banner minus thirty pounds that he said he's definitely gonna drop. Uh, and with the kind of motivation that he is coming back with, uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I mean, I think some of it was technique, some of it was, again, design of the, uh, you know, the offense and just a comfort level with, with what they were doing. But, uh, but you talked to Zach and he, he didn't get beat all year. So, uh, I mean, I think he, he could be, he wants to be, you know, a dominant, not, you know, he wants to be an All-American and a first-round draft pick and all those kinds of things. And yet he wants to be part of this team. I mean, he wants to be, you know, a guy who helped raise the level of USC football back to where, you know, it was uh, a decade ago. And I think, uh, you put all those together. In a, with a, say, a slimmer, trimmer, 330-pound uh, Zach Banner, and, and I think he's definitely got a chance to, to do real well at that left tackle spot. Okay. Uh, Christopher has a question. It's a little long, and uh, I don't think it's all that positive, but we'll, we'll, we'll read it anyway. He says, uh, USC football has had a leadership problem. With this new coaching staff coming together, USC is in many ways back where it started. This is Lane Kiffin's staff's 2.0. Yes, the sanctions really hurt the program, but Pat Hayden's uninspired and ill-advised leadership has done far more damage to USC. The fact that we have almost the same exact staff as when Kiffin was coaching uh, underscores Hayden's lack of vision and leadership. I like Coach Heldon, Martin, Pendergast, and Baxter, but Pat Hayden cannot honestly tell the Trojan family that this coaching staff is the best that the university could do. It's painfully obvious that there was little search for a new head coach this season, and that Pat Hayden wanted to get the hiring over with as quickly as possible. Despite Hayden's failure, failures, it has been the players at USC who have shouldered the load and kept the program respectable. The players have put up with uh, have put up a winning record and made it to a bowl game every year, despite the repeated failures around around them. The players have fought hard and deserve more credit in all of this mess. So here we are, three years after sanctions, with Lane Kiffin staff 2.0. Hopefully this season. And the years after will finally be focused on the great players at USC rather than the program's poor leadership. Love the site. Thanks for always delivering great coverage. Fight on forever. Christopher. Well, Christopher, uh, I think if I were you, I would not call these guys Lane Kiffin 2.0 and all of that. Lane Kiffin's staff minus Lane Kiffin was as good a coaching staff 
as there was in the country for the rest of that year. I mean, they did a marvelous job uh, under really difficult circumstances. And I think that's one of the reasons they're back. They're back. They a lot of them wanted to come back, and it's a real tribute. I mean, they're here. You know, guys like Tommy Robinson and John Baxter are here because they wanted to be here. They wanted to get back to USC as soon as they could. And based on their first time around at USC, that that was a very smart move, I think, by you know by everybody involved. Uh, and it says something for USC that guys like that. You know, I mean, Tommy Robinson is not a guy that hasn't been around. You know, he's been at Miami and, uh, you know, coming directly from the University of Texas, school with the most money and, the, you know, most facilities and the most everything, and he wanted to get back to USC. So I think those are, and he did a marvelous job when he was here. And so I don't know that I would focus on the staff so much. Uh, you could not have asked for a better staff than that the one that finished up a couple of years ago and might have been a, a sad situation that uh, as many of them were let go uh, as were with, you know, with SAR coming in, but, uh, but that was the case. And so in some ways that's kind of making up for the miss, the misses that happened, you know, back then. So, so for whatever reason, we all had our feelings about Lane Kiffin. He was able to bring really good assistant coaches here. Now, it was interesting. You would talk to some of those guys, and after they got here and they realized that the day-to-day dealings with Lane, the game-to-game stuff, this was the situation they were hoping it was. Uh, and Green had, had issues as, as a head coach. And, made it very difficult for those guys. But they made it clear if they got a chance to come back under different circumstances, they would like to come back. And, you know, I think I would not slight any of those guys for coming back. Uh, uh, you know, Clancy and Tommy and John, all those guys, uh, I think, you know, they're really good people. I, I like the idea of the tandem from Western Kentucky and Callaway and, and, and Tyson Helton. And I think that's really gonna, you know, gonna help the offense. So I like, you know, an awful lot of those, those kinds of, you know, the way this, this staff is going together. The head coaching thing is gonna be, people are gonna argue about that forever until Clay shows that it was the right hire or the wrong hire. But, uh, but you know, we can, you know, really, I don't know that it does anybody any good at this point in time, to keep saying, well, we could have had this guy, or this guy was only asking for $8 million in a year, and he probably would have stayed here at least for a couple of years before he went back to the NFL, or anything, you know, all that. We could all argue that stuff. There's no point in it. I mean, the decision is made, and I think at this point, uh, you know, people can say, how do I support it, or how do I, you know, push it or whatever, but I think we're kind of screwing ourselves into the ground as we go round and round and round and round over Pat Hayden's role in this, I mean, there are people who we we run into Pat Hayden, you know, enough, and, and we know people who are real close and all of that. I can't tell you all of his motivations about things. I know I, w- I wouldn't probably say 
well, Pat Hayden was thinking this, or Pat Hayden's thinking that, or Pat Hayden's this. I mean, we may have some of our own ideas about his personality and his, you know, the way he makes decisions and all that, but I don't think we know or we feel like we know exactly why certain things happen and how it works, you know, between, say, you know, a, a head, fo- head football coaching hire and where does Max Matias come down on this and how how do other people play into it. I don't think we really know the whole story there. So I probably wouldn't be willing to attribute motivations to somebody about which I'm not absolutely sure what they are. You know, you can say, well, I don't like the result or I didn't like the process. But to say you really know what they were thinking and why they did it, heck, very often people don't know why they did it themselves. Much less <laughs> somebody on the outside looking at them and saying, I know why you did that. Yeah, good points there, Dan. Um, all right, this next one is from Abe, who wrote before the latest news with Bryce Dixon came out. So he wanted to know, I won't read the whole thing because some of it's not relevant anymore. We said, why haven't the Trojan boosters and fans started a movement to get Bryce Dixon reinstated to the football team? And he said, look, he, as far as I know, he hasn't committed a crime, so he's not in jail, which obviously that's changed um, since that happened. Um, but he said, I'm sure Coach Clay Helton and the football team would welcome him back with open arms. Everyone deserves a second chance. So maybe just maybe that's a good opportunity to kind of give your thoughts on the latest with uh, Bryce Dixon. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's as sad as it could possibly be. I mean, you know, I think, uh, I think our original entry into the situation was with a lot of people who were looking at the way, uh, the process was being managed from Washington DC for every school in America and telling them, essentially, if you were accused of anything uh, like that, the process was not going to really be a fair one uh, for you to defend yourself. Uh, and and I'm not sure that I would connect the, the fact that we really didn't like the process. And as as a num- I mean, the Harvard Law faculty, uh, as liberal as they are, have condemned the process. So this is not something that you know. This is just a you know a conservative take on. On, on where that process has gone, where, you know, you're not, uh, you know, you're very difficult to defend yourself. So in that case, I do think Bryce took some liberties in terms of where he was as a player on the USC football team and where, where the USC football team fit in in terms of how he saw the whole world and, and all that and, and maybe the USC football team wasn't a high enough priority for him to not take any kinds of chances. Uh, but we weren't happy with what happened, to, the way it happened to him. And probably pleased in some ways, although worried in others, that the fact that he was able legally uh, to have the judge reinstate him, uh, in effect, and USC put him on scholarship. He didn't want to not be at USC. That was, there were an awful lot of people I think that thought, you know, it would be better for Bryce to go somewhere else, get into a structured situation with a football program and be, you know, with the discipline that comes with that. He was at USC, you know, kind of living on his own, 
always heard that he was doing well in class, but uh, but kind of you know out there by himself, drifting around and still hoping to be able to be part of this USC football program. The fact that he connected two years after the All-Star game that they played at the end of the high school year, or I guess in January of, of his senior year, that he connected with a guy from LSU, apparently, who had been bounced off out of the LSU program a couple of times for all kinds of, you know, disciplinary and otherwise uh, and legal uh, problems that they hooked up again somehow in L.A. Uh, makes you really wonder what's going on, you know, in Bryce's Bryce's mind uh, and how did that happen? And from what from what we know, uh, it's going to be very very difficult for Bryce to go back. You know, one issue. People might be able to say, you know, I didn't like the way that happened, but he made something of himself. But to get tangled up in this other thing, and again, you got to always say you're innocent until proven guilty. But to be tangled up in this, <clears throat> from what we know, is going to make it awfully, awfully hard for Bryce to come back in any shape or form and, and you know, make this work for him. I, I don't know how you come back. Uh, you know, I think, like with all kids, you're, pull, you're pulling for them, and you hope they figure it out, and you hope they get it right. And I, I do know that he really, really did not want to leave USC. He really cared about being at USC. And then this happened, and he's in a place that, you know, he's not at USC anymore. And um, it's just it's so sad. And a lot of people cared for Bryce. And um, it, it apparently hasn't worked out, you know, very well for for anybody. And it's it, all I can, you know, you can say is it's just really, really sad and very, uh, very sorry that it, it couldn't work out. Um, you, you know, USC put him back on scholarship, but he's no longer with the team, no longer has that discipline, no longer has that training, and it, that's where it becomes. It's up to you. And you've got to make the right choices, and you've got to do the things that you need to get done. And and it, you know, doesn't look like that happened uh, enough to to keep him from being where he is now. And and that's just a very bad thing. All right, Dan, we got one more for you. It's uh, John in Brea, California. He says, "Thanks to Dan Weber's last podcast and the hiring of Ronnie Bradford, I am a now. I'm sorry, I am now a reformed." "Quote unquote doom and gloomer, who will spend this spring All right. pumping sunshine." So he's going from doom and gloomer to sunshine pumper, from the dumper to the pumper. He said, "I'm thrilled that USC hired an experienced position coach, but I'm also interested in the prospect of Clay and Clancy finding a spot for Kenichi Daisy." Well, you should be happy because they hired him today. Um, what he did with the defensive line and only seven practices was encouraging. After watching uh, the college football playoff, I can't wait to see this team. With these coaches, play Alabama. Fight on, John and Brea. Yeah, I think that kind of should be the attitude. Uh, this is the chance to get back in, you know, one big game, you know, big trip, big crowd, big interest. Uh, I saw one of the websites that covers the uh, 
uh, SEC exclusively, and they've already ranked the uh, all 14 games of the first week of the uh, of the season, and there are some really good games. Uh, gosh, I think uh, LSU plays Wisconsin, and uh, oh, I'm trying to think uh, Clemson plays uh, maybe Texas A&M, but really good, and they have by far number one game is USC Alabama. So, I mean, it's the game that'll have the whole country's interest, and people are always looking at USC to say, well, is this the time they come back? Well, this will be the opportunity. There, you know, you couldn't, I don't think, if you're at USC, part of the program, just a fan, whatever, you couldn't ask for anything more than that as your opening game. And you couldn't ask for anything more to have that for the next eight months in the, you know, in the back of your mind or in the front of your mind is that this is what, this is what comes next. And, you know, for the coaching staff and the players and everybody around the program, uh, whether you're not crazy about all the things that have happened with the program, the best thing that, that that's happened is you can't ignore that game. And you can't not think about what do we have to do to be ready? And what do we have to do to be as good as we can be? And what do we have to do to take advantage of this kind of opportunity? And it's there. And, you know, are they, are, are they going to figure it all out? I don't know. But, They've got a chance. I think they. I think they really have a chance, and um, uh, that's all you can ask. And if that's uh, you know sunshine pumping, uh, you might as well because it doesn't cost any more than doom and gloom. And uh, I, I mean, I think we would tell you, for example, if we thought this coaching staff really, you know, was not up to the, you know, couldn't get the job done, if these players didn't have enough talent. We'd probably be warning you to just cool it, and and it's going to be a long, long, you know, slow, gradual rise, and maybe people are going to have to retire, and this is going to have to happen. But I don't think we think that. I think we think they've got a chance. Uh, you know, would you like them to have a better chance? I think there are people who would say, yeah, it'd probably be be really cool if Pete Carroll was a head coach, you know, and that'd be great. But uh, that's not the case, and so um, they are—they are the staff. They are They're the players. They are. They're in a better situation than they've been in a long time, uh, and you know maybe we didn't always realize how much they were fighting and how much how many you know things were in the way. But there aren't as many things in their way right now. You may want more experience in the coaching staff, although it's a really nice blend of, of, of coaches. I mean, uh, Neil Calloway, I mean, how nice is that to have a guy who at one time, Neil Calloway had won more Southeastern Conference championships as a player and a coach than anybody in history, uh, counting his time uh, playing for Bear Bryant, counting his time at Alabama, at Auburn, and at Georgia, uh, that's a good guy to have on your sideline when you're going up against Alabama in the opener, to be honest. I mean, I think, you know, having John Baxter, having uh, Tommy Robinson, these guys, you know, having Clancy Pendergast, I think, you know, you know USC's got a chance. They, they're not going to be overwhelmed, and they're not going to, you know, there have been games in the past few years where they didn't have a chance, 
we didn't know that until we got into the game, and then you see, uh-oh, this team is absolutely not prepared for reasons sometimes we could figure them out and sometimes we couldn't. I don't think that's going to be the case with this team. I think they're going to have a chance. I think this has got a chance to come together. Uh, uh, I'm going to be optimistic uh, until I see a reason to be not so. And that's kind of, that would be my recommendation. Well, Dan, great stuff. We appreciate it. Uh, counting down the signing day, but of course, lots of team stuff. And I love that we could jump on the horn and talk about the, the hiring of a defensive line coach right away. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your insights. Oh, thanks. Enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, this is good timing. We're, we couldn't be happier for, for anybody than for Kenichi. He really, really wanted this so badly. This is, you know, his, his dream was to get back and, and to be, you know, the defensive line coach at USC, there's no question about it. That's all he's ever wanted to do, uh, especially since he stopped, uh, you know, playing football. It's his football career. I mean, he's just right now, had he stayed healthy, he's just finishing up his football career. So in some ways, he's a lot farther down the road to, uh, uh, you know, to be in that, that coach in the next part of his career. So in some ways, uh, this, this could be working out for him and for USC, but, uh, I think it's, it's, I think it's a great opportunity like a lot of things are right now. But now you have to make them happen. Kenichi has to make it happen and, and, and we'll see how this works. All right, Dan. Great stuff. Thanks for coming on and everyone else. Thanks for tuning into the Peristyle podcast. We'll try to do a recruiting one this week as well with Gerard Martinez. It went over really well last week when we did that. So we'll do that again leading up to signing day. Thanks so much for tuning in. And here's a quick message from our sponsor, Michael Moline Real Estate. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E realestate.com You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.